For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. Authenticity is everything. It truly is, and it shows through, and people, your future client, whoever you're looking to attract, if it's a brand or whatever, don't kid yourself. If, if you're not you, people can tell. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for social media for me specifically. So welcome today to the Construction Podcast. We are back with Kyle Steffenhorst. Welcome, Kyle. Oh, dude, thank you for having me, Brad. It's been about what? How many was it just last year? It was that a we year, did this? almost a year ago today that we were here at the LP booth. We're back at LP booth here in Vegas. So last year was Orlando. So yeah, always a good time to get with you. Always, man. You're uh, you're an inspiration to many. And speaking of inspiration, Brad, like <laughs> this is more for the people that are watching here in the booth. I've always been impressed with you and your appearance, and I always feel super <laughs> lacking in my builder T-shirt. So we're gonna do something here. Okay, so for those that are on audio, they're going to be listening on the app. You probably don't know, but Kyle has this. I brought a a button-up. He has this beautiful button-up shirt, collared shirt. Okay. He says he can't beat a T-shirt on the podcast with me, so he's put on his nice collared shirt. All right, we're just going to button this up. One button here, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to be on your level a little bit, dude. Now, this ain't, like, super... Super nice, but I think uh, you look good, man. I feel and it's a little true bit more work. pro. Yeah, look at you. you even got some sponsorship going. No, not sponsored. This is not sponsored, so we're not getting money right now. But <laughs> you never know. I love the authenticity. So, Kyle, you look good uh, again. So, for anyone that knows Kyle, quick background: Kyle Stubbenhorst, our buildings. Uh, and and again, I said this last year on the podcast. What I love about you, Kyle, is like you're super approachable. Everyone's coming up here, you know, fanboy with Kyle. That they follow you on TikTok and Instagram. I mean, my cousin was super excited to meet you he was here. Um, but what I love about that is like, you're you. And I think that's really unique that sometimes you meet someone on social media and they're not who they are. And, you know, there's a huge part to authenticity, which really helps grow your brand. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, a lot of people will ask me, How do, what do you do? What's the secret? And I think that's the secret. There, there really is no secret. You're just you. And either people will like it or they won't. But if they like you for someone you're not and you're trying to portray this person, what really are you going to gain from that? So my my whole thing has always been just post content of me doing me, enjoying me, and I was fortunate that people liked it. That's really the only difference. I'm not special, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I bet, but you definitely have like uh, not just an ethics side, but a communication side, a personality behind it, and it kind of all flows together. What's interesting about that comment though, Kyle, I was at a LinkedIn conference. I've said this before on the podcast, but what was interesting is 
uh, one of the gals said, you know, it's pretty easy that I'd get in front of the camera and I'd have to have my makeup done and be all present. You know, but she's all, I just was me. I'd just get on and do these natural videos, how I was feeling at the moment, and they just went viral. And essentially, she's like, uh, you know, just show your personality, yeah. right, a lot of times. And you've done that really well, showing your personality. You know, you're just, you know, like all of us, just building a business. Yeah, well, I mean, you're doing the same thing, dude. It's just a different it's a different way of doing it. You know, I mean, you, like I said, that's why I'm dressed up so nice. Like you're, that's who you are. Like everybody knows Brad as this snazzy dude, you know, and I don't think it's hard for you to do that. You probably like doing it. That's you. Me, I feel more comfortable in a t-shirt and just saying, yo, this is what I'm doing on the job site today. I wouldn't be comfortable doing you. You know what I'm saying? Even if I could be successful in the short term, it would never give me a lot of happiness in the long term. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, I want to do something that I can continue to do, enjoy and, you know, grow into at the same time. Like not just, it's not just a short term thing. Like in the world of social media, we're so quick to do and learn and, and post and try to get famous real quick, that viralness. But in the end, you know, that's not really, I don't think, it never makes anybody happy. If anything, it brings more depression into people's lives. So just do what you're passionate about. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned that, like, there's no quick elixir. There's no quick thing to the algorithm. You've been very successful on TikTok, on YouTube, Instagram, of course. Um, but what they don't see, and I, I know you well enough to know that, you know, there's an efficiency to your day. There's an efficiency to your method uh, that, that you're spending time behind the scenes editing. And oh yeah. Thinking of content and set up cameras and so this isn't some just overnight thing. Yeah, you know, I don't really talk about it because I don't think it's like something that you do to gloat about. But people don't really understand until they've been in the shoes. You make content. You know what goes into it. I mean, when you're trying to do something and share content to the world and put yourself out there, that's hard enough, right? But then when you do that on top of your everyday job, it's just another, it's a whole nother level that I don't think I would ever go back and not do it. You know, it's been awesome, but it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And to that point, Kyle, let me ask you this, because what's unique about TikTok, I mean, I've on TikTok, and I know, but the thing is the trolls are different. Like Instagram, pretty level-headed. LinkedIn, pretty level-headed. YouTube, not at all. You know, TikTok, not at all. What, what advice would you give to someone who's building a platform such as you? Not everyone's going to be like, Kyle's the greatest. Like, I'm sure you get people coming out like, that's wrong. Why are you All doing the it time. that way? Yeah. That's never going to work. Well, here's the thing. I, I know that if you let your ego get in the way and you think that you're literally doing something perfect and that all the haters or the trolls are wrong, you're probably the wrong one. I've always thought that if somebody's coming at me there's always going to be people that are crabby. They don't like themselves and they just want to make other people miserable. But also their experiences have told them that what I'm doing is wrong. They were either taught a certain way. They live in a different part of the country. They, they have different experiences that they're saying what I'm doing is wrong. And usually if I kind of step back and I look at what they're saying, I can find either some truth or understanding as to why they feel that way. And a lot of times that's what molds my decisions into changing or evolving my systems, you know, because we all in the contracting field, we usually start off working for somebody. He shows us everything he knows. And then maybe we go off on our own and we do our thing. But with social media, it has forced me specifically to reflect on everything I've done and posted 
and realize that maybe I'm not doing it the best or there's a better way to enhance this for my client. And those usually come in the form of trolls or haters that are saying how bad I'm doing. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's, it's actually not a bad way to do it. I should, I should think about that, you know? So um, nobody likes being told they're wrong or they suck. But well, what I love about that, I want you to think about example only, and I'll give you a minute here because to, to reiterate that, Kyle, I look at, there, there was a post I did. So we were doing this modern home. You, you know, fortunately, you've come and seen a couple of our projects. I mean, you came down. Amazing. Not but we were doing this modern home, and they had this integrated roof drain. So the roof drain, you know, modern home, you have parapet walls, you know, metal fascia around the exterior. And we're doing this integrated roof drain system, and everyone, I should say everyone, a lot of people on LinkedIn are, Brad, that's going to fail. You're going to have an issue. And it was Why? to your point. Well, they said what happens is it's impossible because all of the drains are coming through interior walls, and then all the connections, you have no exposure. Visually, you can't see it. And over time, they'll fail and leak, and you get up water in your walls and in your house. And so they said, the system that you're proposing, that you're doing this video on, will not perform. And one of the guys is from New York, and he's like, Brad, I've been in 20 class action lawsuits of people trying to do this detail. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, now you got my attention, right? So, <laughs> yeah. but, but essentially, I'm like, I, I want to better the product I'm doing too. Even if the architect says, oh, it's fine, I've done this forever. At the end of the day, I'm still exposed to that. And so that's where, you know, I went back, worked with him, worked with another building science consultant, and we actually changed the entire gutter detail to make sure now we can monitor this, we can track it, we can install properly, it's not going to leak. And, and so there is value, right? Mm -hmm. It's just not the negative comments, but there are things that actually help you and I become better business people. Yeah, it's true. In my life, just recently, I did a, I did a home, we did a barn dominium, and um, we spray foamed the whole thing. It was a full spray foamed application and it performed. I mean, I did a blower door test. The whole um, envelope was 0.34. So awesome. It's amazing. You know, we didn't do anything special. I'm not a building science nerd. I didn't do all <laughs> these details, but we blew a 0.34, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. But in the comments, in those hater, you know, comments, people are like, it's spray foam. That's horrible stuff. And it's going to, you know, burn or all these other things. Right. And I was thinking to myself, while, yes, these are all possibilities, right? People that say wood burns, yeah, it, it burns. So if you use a wood floor joist, there's a chance it's going to burn, right? There's always these possibilities for failure in what we build. But I was thinking, okay, I was able to produce a 0.34 blower door test, super high efficiency. This home is airtight and beautiful, right? And everybody says it's nice. But I agree that there's some downsides to using spray foam. So we went out and this next one we're doing, we're using all rock wool. And we're, we're going to use some Sega Myrex product to get our air control air. And I'm not doing that just because these brands would love to work with me. I'm doing it because it's, in my mind, it might be a better end result for the life of the home, for the life of my client. And I'm hoping that I can detail in a way that it performs equally as good. So I'm excited for a blower door test, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have done that because spray foam is so easy. You know, I pay a guy a couple bucks a foot to come in, do it, it's done. And I've got a a vapor barrier, an air barrier, and I'm good to go. This is forcing me to be a better builder, be a better contractor, do better work. But I'm hoping it also gives my client like a better end result 40 years from now, you know, thanks to the haters. Yeah. Thanks to the haters. But the reality is in your clientele, you're working in Illinois, Kyle. Do you feel that as you continue to excel your brain, right? And, and you're looking for better builder methods. In fact, you've inspired many builders to show 
shortcuts, not even shortcuts, but just better methods of installation, you know, products you're working with. I mean, we're here at the LP booth. We'll talk about some of the LP product both you and I are using. In fact, I just had an LP delivery today. They were calling me. But, um, but, but going back to it, are, are your clients demanding this? Are you seeing a desire for them, you know, like Rockwell, the example you gave, and looking for like a 0.34 on the blower door test, you know, it, is, is this helping enhance the brand by getting into product that is now going to make homes last longer, more energy efficient, and if anything, right, help the, you know, help the economy and help the global climate? Yeah, I, I've always thought that my job as the, the builder and the contractor and I don't. I always use those terms kind of interchangeably in my life. I'm not one or the other. I feel like I'm both. Um, it's my job to educate them on what they want. You know, this current client, he did not want Rockwell. That's not what he spec'd in his build. You know, he had a budget, and it's my job to say, dude, I want you to have the best house possible. Because if I had a budget like yours and this was mine, this is what I would do. Are you okay with it? I show them the benefits the reasons I'm thinking of doing it. And then we move forward, you know, like they're not going to an architect. They don't have a designer. There's nobody coming to me as the builder with a spec sheet saying, do this. It's me saying, what are your needs? What, what is your budget? And how can I give you the best thing possible? So I could easily say, Oh, that's your budget. Let's just put fiberglass and we'll put some poly up. He wouldn't know any better, but I don't think that really helps anybody long term, other than my little short, short-term pocketbook increase. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I do have a platform to share that information that I'm learning because it's all learning for me on how to be better, how to build better. And at the end of the day, my goal is to showcase this home at super high efficiencies at, at, at a low cost. I want people to be able to not just look at these super um, high efficiency homes as unattainable. I mean, what you build, Brad, is amazing. I mean, I remember what you told me that house is costing, right? Like, not everybody can afford it. <laughs> right. But it's an epic build. How can a client get something as comfortable as what you're building for your client in a small form factor in rural Illinois for a, a price tag that is more representative to that you know, clientele? Otherwise, they're just putting vinyl siding on their home. They're putting some fiberglass insulation in and, and OSB and house wrap. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not getting... Nobody's teaching how to do uh, middle-class America at a high-performance level. Do you feel that's giving you more competitive edge because you are super open about, you know, how essentially, you know, techniques you're using, right? Um, the equipment you have, right, that's accelerating your builds for you and Greg that are out there. Do you feel like gives you a better, I don't want to say margin because we're not going to get into the specifics of your financials, but essentially you can build more efficiently, which means more product, you know, better value for the customers you're mentioning. Uh, because what you, I would imagine, struggle with, like most people that are doing, I would imagine you're giving a package pricing or lump sum or GMP, whatever it is. You know, you're not doing like a cost plus method for what you're doing. And so you have to really understand what those costs are, track those that way, the price you give to the client, you can still fulfill and, you know, perform at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a believer in giving somebody a lump price in a sense. I mean, obviously there's always changes in ads. We all know how building a house goes. There ain't nothing finite. Um, Have your customers been open to that? To lump sums? Well, I'm just or saying changes. to the changes in price. Because the reality is you may quote someone something, but come time, I mean, you're just oh, doing yeah. it like we well, are. I think, I think the pandemic has taught us all one thing, and that is there is no guaranteed price. I mean, at the end of the day, there has to be a level of trust between you and your client, and you build that through past relationships. I mean, you can't always build a... Well, 
we're in a unique situation. We have social media. So my clients come to me with a, a level of trust that is unlike in history when you have the first meeting with a builder and you decide to Contractor, go Contractor, client relationship. Yeah, totally that relationship has been developed potentially over years. They've watched things. So they automatically have a, a level of trust with me. But, you know, my whole thing is you trust me. I'm not going to take you to the cleaners. Like, I'm going to do this for you. Here's my budget based on your budget. Like, this is what I am assuming this is going to cost. Man, you know, you make changes or if the market goes and does what it did during the 2020s, you know, year, I can't control that. I'm not going to eat it, but I'm also not out here to rip you off, you know, and that level of trust, it just has worked. So you're going to laugh at me, but I don't sign contracts. I know you told me that You know, we talked about that before. I mean, we literally will sit, you know, I sat that big barn dominium I did. I mean, I'm not going to say exactly what it costs, just out of privacy for my client. But, you know, I remember we sat at their lake at a... At a picnic table, and we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, that that's our budget. Yeah, okay, I think we can make that work, and that was it. You know, we started, and I know that's impossible for most people to get to that level because not everybody's on social media sharing who they are and to get that level of trust. But I think in general, the more we can do things like over deliver, and uh, you know, bring more value to our clients, then the industry will change over time. And it won't be like that shady contractor is just trying to take me to the cleaners when I hire them. And, and everybody's always on edge, you know, when it becomes more respected and when we are doing things that are in the client's interest, not just in our pocketbooks. I think the industry as a whole will will kind of shift to where, you know, people aren't so reluctant to believe a builder. How is your, you know, how has that changed the competitors based on your platform, your education, what you're doing in Illinois? I would imagine it's had a change on your competitors. I don't know exactly because in local, you know, very specific markets, people would be very probably their ego would get in the way of like maybe saying that what I've done has changed their way of doing things. But I, when I travel around the country and you run into people, I remember a guy came up to me. I was sitting at a booth and he he was walking by and I caught him out of the corner of my eye and he he said he heard my voice, you know, and he's like, "Hey, you." He's like. I got a bone to pick with you. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what this guy's doing. He's a big guy, you know? And he came into the booth. He said, you know what? Because of you, I now do this, this. I don't put posts in the ground because my clients, they see your stuff. Then they have me build what you're building. And it's forced me to go from, you know, building a pole barn back in the day with posts in the ground to building a more high, high efficiency and better well-built long-term structure. So to me, that's really my whole goal, just to build up the industry specifically in post frame because it's, it's really a, a negative uh, look down upon you know, sector of the business. It's just a barn. It, it's funny you say that, though, because I, I, again, I know I said this last year, but I, you know, as I speak to people about marketing social media, and it's very common, you, know, you hear someone say, well... Brad, I'm not building this luxury home, or I don't have a lazy river, or I'm not doing this net zero, whatever it is, right? And it's like, well, take an example from Kyle. Kyle, you know, as you mentioned, it's these, these are barns, post-frame construction. I mean, you're doing all kinds of neat stuff now, but from its conception, it wasn't at that level. But you found a way to be, as we're discussing, you're a thought leader, right? You're an educator, um, brand awareness, right? Techniques, all the things we're talking about. And so what ends up happening is you create this culture behind you. You create yeah. this following. And, and that's the thing. It's silent salesmen. People sell on your brand that are in payroll that really believe in you, Kyle, and the brand and the industry and what you're doing. You know, 
I, I would imagine though that that's helped. You know, as you educate the public, yeah, there's risk, but it also brings in the right clients. You're marketing to that deal client. You know, it changes the forecast and everything that you're working on internally. Well, I, I assume it's just like you. I mean, we've talked about it obviously off podcast when I came and visited you. I mean, you have to see the same effect. I mean, what you've shown has led to more lazy rivers. You know, that's your niche, and that's like you. How many years were you a builder before somebody asked you to put a lazy river? Yeah, it's been a, ten years, right? So. And now, how many? Yeah, now we have four. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the power of social media. When you when you put out there all these things you're capable of, it is the best way to get the most emotional and like direct um, form of word of mouth. To me, word of mouth was the way I started my business. Small community, people love, you know, to kind of brag about things. But when you can brag about what you're doing on social media in your own words and tell your own story, people want to be a part of that. And so they, they've seen what you've done, they've seen what I've done, and they can relate, they become emotionally attached to you as a person, to your, you know, your team that's putting together your projects, um, and it becomes a, it's not even a question. You know, they're like, yeah, I want, I want you and I want, I want a lazy river too. And throw a trampoline barn in, what the heck? <laughs> But you got to come back. You're going to have to oh, come back. Dude, I've seen you guys set doors, right? Set doors. Yeah, All the yeah. multi-sliders in on the, yeah. on the trampoline bar. So what, what do you, rec- you You know, you did TikTok. Why TikTok? You know, why did you jump on that? So I used to do a podcast with a guy, um, Mikey, Mikey the Maker is his name, and uh, he was very marketing savvy, and he always was like, dude, there's this new thing called TikTok. I've been on it, and I'm addicted to it. You got to do it, Kyle. And I'm like, dude, that's a dancing app. He said, listen, I promise you. It was like October, right? He said, if you you start TikTok today, just take all your old content you've been using, just put it up on TikTok. I guarantee you'll be at a million by the end of the year, three months away. I'm like, okay, dude. Bro, I hit a million in like two months <laughs> because there was nobody on TikTok in the construction field. None. But there was people that were watching it that were not kids. And now everybody's on TikTok. I mean, it's a, it's a great... It's a great algorithm that really focuses on experience and, you know, no algorithm is the same. I mean, I'll literally go look at my son's algorithm, let's say, because he'll have TikTok and I'll be like, yeah, let me see what you're seeing. You know, I want to see what you're watching because it'll show you what he's watching as soon as you scroll six times. Yeah. And it's just, it's mind boggling how that's exactly the kid I thought he was. You know, it's cars and it's uh, basketball and it's football and it's like, It's so specific. So I think that the point is you have to change with the times. Facebook was there. Instagram was there. And they're all viable options that you need to, I think, put yourself out there on. And there's a place for it. But as technology evolves, people are naturally going to go and use that technology. And TikTok just happened to be the one that I jumped on early, you know. It makes me wonder what would happen if we all were early into the YouTube game 15 years ago. Or Instagram. Or Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we got early enough to, to be in that first wave of contractors, I'd say. But um, you just have to always be open to whatever's new and not be like, oh, another platform. No, just repurpose. You know, it's not necessarily new content. It's just repurposed. Maybe formatted a little bit different. So, again, not getting into, because, again, no one's going to guess algorithm. Recommendations you have for someone that's looking to start on their social media and they're like, okay, Kyle's had a ton of success. Of course, content's different on YouTube, content's different on TikTok and Instagram. There's a lot of similarities. You can repurpose some of it. You know, any advice, like if you're starting our buildings today, essentially, you know, platforms to focus on and then maybe, you know, any advice you'd have. 
yeah, I would I would genuinely start recording all vertical format. Horizontal format is great for cinematic masterpieces. People aren't necessarily consuming that content by turning their phone to the side and or going on a big screen. 80% maybe of my followers are watching even my YouTube videos on their phone or a mobile device. So make it easy for them. If they're walking around or they're sitting on the crapper, make it so they can watch it. Well, and it's a lot easier to hold their phone up and down That's as right. opposed to horizontal. Yeah, you don't want to be dropping that when you're sitting on the crapper, you know? <laughs> so it's it's easy to make content when your phone is like this, when it's in your face. Don't be afraid to do that. And also, don't overthink it. it you're not you're not trying to be award-winning or figure out some great new cinematic, you know, look. Just show what you're doing what you love like if you love what you're doing and you want to share it that's all you have to do you know it's it's not a secret there is no specific time to post or hashtags to use that's all what people try to sell you in their courses in the real world people just want good content and they want to be inspired or they want to be educated or they want to be motivated if you can just do one of those things in your post by sharing what you love money dude This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. How is your you know, strategy change over the years. If you go back and look at early, you know, edition one of Kyle on, on social media at at that time, you know, Instagram. And of course you got into YouTube after how has your content evolved? You know, do you have a focus or strategy on what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, back then it was really like heavy hitting. Like how many times can I put up videos? Um, I felt like I had so much to share and that I was excited about and knew that I just was like kind of just puking content, you know? I mean, I'd post three times a day sometimes, not because I felt like I had to. I wanted to. Yeah. You know, I wanted to. Now it's more about what really can I offer the world in a form of something that's not just another swipe? You know, I mean, am I going to post just to post so that I'm in the algorithm or am I going to put something that maybe is going to resonate with somebody? And if not... Screw it. I'm not posting it. And there's times where I've gone a week in the last year, not even posting. And, you know, yes, do you see a, a slowdown in your in your followers? Yes. But at the end of the day, I don't know that always a follower equates to 
like the actual community that you're building. And sometimes it's just it's just another number, you know. So so I just want to make sure that people don't ever see me as just another post and always as something that maybe they're going to look forward to and they're going to learn something from. I, I love that aspect because if you think about the vanity metric of social media, it's pretty easy to get caught up in likes and followers. Um, but, but the reality is, like even for you, Kyle, in your market, yeah, it's great that you have a couple million followers on all these platforms. But at the end of the day, like you're looking for the right follower. You're looking for the right client, the right lead. Maybe it's the right partnership with, you know, a company, as you mentioned, you know, where LP, Rockwell, some of these brands are using Sega. Um, so there's collaboration, too, that opens up from those. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's kind of the great, I mean, that's that's really the benefit to social media that I've seen because it's not a work thing. There's more work than, and you know it, too. You probably have more work than you can handle. You've been growing. I mean, how many people are you up to now? 17. Yeah. I mean, when, when we first met, it was like, like you, four, yes. and then you had Paul come down, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, you know, I, I don't know what to do about all this work that's coming our way. So it's not as much about that. It's about trying to hopefully, you know, just change the industry, man. You know, I feel like we have the opportunity to push it a lot faster and a lot more in maybe the direction that we as builders see fit, not just people up at the top of a corporate ladder saying, this is what we want to start pushing. You know, it's like, no, we get real world um, feedback from our followers, from our clients, from the people that are liking and, and subscribing on these videos to what really the pulse of the industry is. And we can kind of, you know, we have a chance to like manipulate that a little bit. Really, I mean, think about it. I could tell you what to do in your pole barn. And there's a million people that are probably going to agree with it and think that that's what they need to do. And that's a that's a very humbling and scary thing to think about. So for those looking at, like, how do they partner with different sponsors and brands? Um, you know, what, what do you attribute to some of your success as you've started to collaborate with other companies? Is there, you know, coming to build a show such as this and meeting people behind the scenes? Is it DM? I mean, how are some of the different avenues that you've opened up those channels of communication? Um, I mean, personally, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but they come to me because my goal is to create content that's, education that attracts them yes so they are naturally inclined to say we want kyle to showcase our product in an educational format that is going to i'll, I'll take this for an example right you know etienne sega uh-huh. um he had a product that i needed and it was their fentrum it has a little bit of a half inch bend you you install anderson windows sometimes yep so Anderson Windows, at least the the life or wait, well not Anderson lifestyle, uh, Pella. Sorry, these yeah. are Pellas. Pella lifestyles. They got a fin on them. Mm-hmm. You have to tape all the way onto the jam. You can't just tape the fin. Something that is a pain in the butt to do with just a regular tape. Fentrum comes around. They got a little half inch fold, and I was like, this is beautiful. It's perfect. Etienne, I need to try a couple rolls right before I invest into the system. I did it. I made a video. Etienne calls me and he says, Kyle, you just did in thirty minutes. For the North American market, what we've been trying to do for 10 years, I'm now sold out of Fentrum. Because it was a great solution to a problem that builders have in window installs. But Sega, as a brand, has a hard time talking to an everyday contractor. That's not something that's easy to do because it comes off as a sales gimmick. But when Kyle, who's this trusted, good-looking, handsome guy... Sorry, I love I that. that I love, especially in that collared shirt. <laughs> you know, but when I show it, it has a different resonance to it. And whether it's right or wrong, people can buy into that as something that's that's probably a good idea. Now, personally, I have ethics behind me. I'm not going to do something 
just to just to get partnered with somebody. Like the partners that I work with are because there's something I would use on my own house. I, I believe in that product. And so I am gladly willing to to share that with other people. You know, that's something I can stand behind. So it there's no secret to working with partners. It's just be an educator. Be somebody that people are going to look to for information. And those partners, they will want to work with you. And if they don't, then you don't want to work with them anyway. Yeah. And what I've found, especially with partnerships, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of you know designers, architects, builders about this. And what's unique is it's one thing to say, okay, for what it's worth, you know, Kyle's the white well, right? This is someone who has a ton of followers, very respected. Again, you're super authentic, and that's why you people gravitate towards your content. Um, and yeah, Sega can have a ton of success, but the reality is there's a lot of companies that aren't looking for, not that they're not partnering with you, Kyle, but they'll partner with someone 10,000 followers or 5,000 or 15. Essentially, creators that are making good content, that are educating, that have a loyal following, that's what's attracting because as you mentioned with Sega, which is a good example, it's really hard for that platform to really broadcast the messaging to solve a day-to-day, but you're living the day-to-day. You're doing it so people see that and they're like, I get it. It's no different whether you have 10,000 followers or a million, like you're still educating that follower base. Oh, 100%, dude. That's something that people will ask me, like at what follower account will I start being able to work with brands? Like, dude, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. You make good quality content, the brand will see the value in your content. It's not a numbers thing because you can go buy numbers. That doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? Let me ask you, Brad. I mean, you're doing super high end. Does your clientele... I mean, are they coming from a lot of your social media? And what has that done to your brand? Has it evolved your brand? Or are you just getting more work? Yeah, it's completely evolved our brand. Because ideally, this goes back to really the core of it, right? And this is something that back with Johnny Horhan, we talk about a lot. That, And Nick, Nick's big on this too, is that you're always marketing where you want to be, right? And that's how I was. Like you, you and I go back a long time. We essentially started Instagram, I think, about the same time. And we talked, you know, years ago. Um, before you surpassed all of us, but <laughs> but but the reality is, to your point is that by marketing, then you gave up the example of the lazy river. Is that in time, what ends up happening is is that you have to walk before you run. So you have to show that you have systems in place, like the client I'm working with, very savvy. You know, they they're in their personal life, they have systems and organization, and that's how they've been successful in life. They're asking for that. So, like, for me to be able to serve them and to get to that level, I have to build that. And there's no doubt that I have clients early on that's like, you know, AFT wasn't there at the time or they were still struggling or figuring out manpower and leadership and, you know, all the things that come into it. But I can tell you today, the homes we're building, the clients are working for and the people on that bus that are in the right seat, it's completely different. But it's important for me now to not just market that and show that and educate on that, but you know, broadcast that as well because that's what's going to attract those clients to say, hey, I've seen the track record. AFT can do it. Now we're on board. And so, again, it's it's momentum that you have to build, uh, but you just can't lose that authenticity behind it. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, you're doing a great job, dude. I mean, I... Well, likewise. Yeah. It's, well, thank you. Um, you know, it's... Authenticity is everything. It truly is, and it shows through, and people, your future client, whoever you're looking to attract, if it's a brand or whatever... Don't kid yourself. If, if you're not you, people can tell. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for social media for me specifically. And we started with this conversation, really, was authenticity. Yeah. It's the only secret sauce in the recipe, in my opinion. So here at the LP booth, 
what are some of the products you're using? I know we're sitting here Tech Shield. This is pretty co- common. Flame Block, Weather Logic. You know, for we just finished the Net Zero House of the Year, Mark Laliberte's house. Yeah, you know Mark, and uh, turned out amazing. And and it was really fun. He did. We did this ready frame guest casita detached, and first time I done ready frame. We were to build his first source on that, which is pretty awesome because it came out. And you don't need a ton of anything. It just comes just out put labeled. Put it together, framed in a day. Done. Move on. And we did double layers of flame block inside and outside, just because it faced a desert. It could get hot. There's fires, so. You know, he wanted to be, you know, he's concerned about that. And, of course, we have the weather logic and Tech Shield, which is pretty common. What about, what are you guys using there in Illinois? So we used Tech Shield for the first time. And it was because originally this design on this house was a one-story ranch. It was going to be a vaulted ceiling. I was I was afraid of how much airspace I was going to have in this attic to be able to kind of keep it cool on the hot. Because we still, even though we're in northern Illinois, we will see 100 plus degrees. It's hot. But we will also see negative degrees. Back home right now, it's negative degrees. And so for me, I wanted to kind of get a best of both worlds. I figured during the summer, the tech shield is going to really do its thing. It's going to cool down the uh, attic by up to up to 30, 30 degrees. I mean, that's a big deal in a small attic space. And it's a vented attic. Um, but I'm excited. I see nickel gap. So you see the nickel gap coming. Uh, that is nice. I wish we could talk about some of the other things that I've talked with uh, technical here and uh, future products maybe this year that are coming out. So definitely stay tuned for that. LP's got some cool stuff coming, man. And I think what I like the most about this company is that what they do, they do well. They don't have a huge plethora of products, right? They don't they don't keep coming out with just every it's not like the Milwaukee tools of the industry that just puts out it's a not new the tool. Cheesecake factory menu? Yeah, I mean <laughs> everything here is something that I think you can truly stand behind and build upon and feel good about. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's what I really love. So I'm okay with a brand that doesn't come out with new stuff every day, even though we want to see that. I, I like working with new things. Um, I'm excited for the Nickel Gap, and I'm excited to see what they've got coming this so year. So walk through the Nickel Gap. Just explaining that for those listening that may not be familiar. So with we, we've all you know seen your your traditional lap siding. It just laps over, and it gives you a nice little uh, shadow line, and the, you know it has dimension to it. Well, Nickel Gap, in my opinion, is a lot more modern. It's kind of like uh, a flat wall with a nickel spaced gap every piece. It's going to give you a little bit of detail line, but very modern and clean. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see it on a wall. I mean, they've got a little demo here. I mean, there's nickel gap siding out there on the market now. Uh, this is just going to be in the, the same substrate uh, that their regular lap siding is, which is awesome to work with. So, How often is it that you see maybe something that may alleviate a little bit more modern or transitional in your market? Uh, well, honestly, I know it's – I mean, I think this is what you're asking, but, like, for us to use board and batten – that's a lot more modern look than what houses are in my area, <laughs> right? It seems so traditional and old, right. but it's the projects we've been doing. They're probably the cleanest, most modern looking houses. I'm sure. And because the rest is all Illinois, vinyl yeah. siding and yeah. a lot of vinyl siding in our area. You know, there's no brick. Really, nobody does brick unless you're in a HOA that requires like a front facade, you know, halfway up the wall or something. Uh, we're in the Midwest, man. And that's where I'm talking. You know, that's my main goal is. I really want to bring more light on building high efficiency and high quality in middle America because middle America accounts for 90% of America. You know, a lot of people on social media, they build in the outside edges where there's more money and it's a lot more fun and cooler products you get to use. 
but it really does miss out on most people's budget and most people's real life scenario, you know? And so that's why products like LP, it, it, it's, it looks good, it functions over time, and it's appropriately priced. So in your market, I, I know last year we spoke, and it's not very common you're working with architects and engineers. Not never. Even, yeah, never. How often are, are you ever doing like barnasiums, man caves, you know, maybe kitchens? Are you ever working with interior designers on any of your projects? Or is that no. mostly client-driven? Uh, unless the client's the interior designer, like that's <laughs> about it, you know. And uh, I'm okay with that. You know, obviously it would be really cool to get into some cool products and good ideas, and that would be challenging for me. Um but I also like to just kind of, I have a luxury where a lot of times my clients are just having us do the design, like straight up on the spot. You know, they might put a, a couple things on a napkin and then they're like, go for it. And you're speaking about mostly exterior finishes? Oh, interior. interior well. I, got a, I got a customer that, you know, put in a, I don't know, expensive ass commercial range hood. And they're like, do something around it, Kyle. I'm like, what? What do you want me to do? And they're like, just, I don't know. And they send me a couple of pictures. And I'm like, oh, something like this. They 100% trust in just, you'll figure it out and you'll do it and we'll be happy because everything else is good, you know? So I'm forced to do design. I don't want to. But at the same time, it's a challenge. And it's something that is usually kind of like, well, that was tough. But it's done. It's cool. And it worked. You know, it's a, it's a good um, educating a moment for me, I guess. So going back to, you mentioned the blow door test and to not geek out a little bit, but speaking about just the efficiency of building, yep. um, essentially when you're doing post-frame construction, it's more energy efficient because you have either whether it be spray foam or rock wool, you have more insulation because you have less framing members, which affect the thermal right. breakage into the home. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I would have to say that I'm, I'm like the laziest building science guy there is <laughs> because it i'm not forced into a lot of architectural details that other guys are going back to the architect to figure out because it doesn't work you know in post frame we're essentially building a cooler and putting a roof on it we have four walls in most cases the one we're doing now has it's like a l-shaped t-shaped whatever and there's roof lines and whatever but at the end of the day the design is simplistic and I think when people can let go of maybe this, you know, 14 different roof lines and all this other stuff that is, is it is a, a nice curb appeal. But in my area, people don't really care. They want function. They got a budget. They want it to be good. They just want space. The barn dominium is literally all of that. And it's an easy way to build super efficient, um, long lasting, you know, maintenance-free buildings. So end goal are our buildings. I know a lot of people start thinking about, okay, well, where, you know, you've had this success. We understand the social media aspect and great opportunities to work with partners. But are our buildings itself kind of, what do you look at, you know, years down the road? Do you hope to expand? Do you hope to maybe hire that out? Kind of what, what are some end goals that you've been thinking about? Honestly, this is something that's always been a very big weakness of mine would be like long-term planning. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing here today until like this morning when I looked at my schedule. I knew I had to be here. I didn't know when we were podcasting. I heard we were. We talked. Yeah. I don't. I didn't know I was. I mean, I'm not a long term planner. I'm a in the moment. What really is driving me right now? And so, as long as I'm passionate, RR buildings will be a thing. When I'm not passionate, 
I have no idea. I would literally just lay it down and just stop doing it. That would be fine with me. You know, my, my business, my son, if he's not interested, and I, I just close the doors. You know, I don't have an ego that says this thing has to keep going and it needs to be the biggest thing ever. I think that what I've done has created a lot of content that will be evergreen, that will be usable and teachable. I mean, um, because building methods will always be evolving, but the core... The core message, yeah, the the core principles of what I try to share with efficiencies and and just doing your best, that doesn't change. And so hopefully that will continue to, you know, inspire new people getting in the trades to just do their best, really, you know, and seek out better ways. And I don't know, man. What about you? What's what's AFT do? I mean, you're building a team, though. You could step away and still have AFT for a little bit, you know, in that same, like, the same way that you're doing it now, right? I mean, yeah. you've set up enough people. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I mean, you bring up a good point there, Kyle. It's like, you really have to understand your business model, too, yep. as a business owner. I mean, you're a business owner that happens to focus on post-frame and media, right? I mean, because you're doing both. For us, you know, we're a business that happens to focus on construction, but understanding, okay, what's our demographic and the market that we're in and the product that we're building, you know, this is something that I can't self-perform all of it. The size no. and the complexity, we can't do that. And, you know, having that leadership team, you know, people that understand and are very technical. And it's interesting you bring that up. I was, I think all of us as business owners are trying to get to the next level, whatever that means, right? And I was interviewing a few architects and I was like, okay, there's some, there's a couple key builders that have accelerated to this really high level, you know, and they're working with some of the most savvy clientele that a lot of us, if we knew the client names, people would know who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that separates them? And what's interesting is architects, like, it's a superintendent. Like, you know, you look at the really good projects, the project co- or the really good companies that are at the highest level. They have really good superintendents and really good coordinators. Yeah. That understand complexity. They're looking way ahead. They're, as an architect, they're calling me on framing stuff, and they haven't even poured foundation yet. And so understanding, okay, well, how do I now implement that in the training and organization of my team to get them all moving in the right direction? And so... So for me as a builder, this is what I'm looking at. But yeah, to our point, you know, our, our businesses are different. I'm not self-performing, but I still have to think about the end goal and where they're going. But at the same time, you and I are super busy. So it's like, how do you find time for the work-life balance? Because fortunately, you're able to travel and come see us in Phoenix. But, you know, that part I'd imagine is pretty tough for you at times. Oh, 100%. There is, there's, there's no life-work balance. There's always, in my opinion, you have to be present and you have to give it 100%. So you can't perfectly balance the family to the work, to the social media, to then you, you also got to have a life. Like I love disc golfing, you know, I mean, I disc golf probably five times when I was in Arizona visiting you. Um, you just have to be focused and present and don't just waste your time doing stuff that doesn't matter for me personally. Um, because no, dude, I'm, I'm all over the place. There's no balance. There's no schedule. There's just... My son needs me, I can tell, I'm going to be there. You know, my wife needs me, I'm going to be there. I need to be on the job site every day because I'm, yeah. I'm self-performing. But, you know, you have to just always be there. And it is daunting. It is a lot of work. But if it was easy, anybody would do it. Am I right? It, it, there's no doubt. So it's you and Greg, right? Typically yeah. you two. So do you guys coordinate vacations or do you guys, can one of you kind of operate the business and run it while the other one's gone? How do you form out between the two of you? Well, whenever, I mean, Greg is just, he's an hourly employee. He, you know, 
God bless his heart, he's an interesting dude in that he's not like most people. Like right now, I'm here. I'm like, Greg, do you want to work all week? I need to get you a list. He's like, eh, you know, I'll do a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go skiing. I'm going to, okay, that's fine. You know, he's not, he's not in a position where he needs to work every day and make tons of money. And money's not his motivator. You know, he likes to enjoy what he does. He enjoys working with me. And if I'm not there, it's just not the same. So he's kind of like, I'll do what you need me to do, but um, I'm going to go do some other stuff that I want to do anyway. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Less stress for me. And then when I'm there, if he leaves, I mean, I self-performed literally by myself for, you know, six, seven years before I ever had Greg. So it's, it's not the end of the world for me to do that. But we just have a really unique situation. He's a great guy. Um, I'd hate to ever think of even losing him, you know. So I try to treat him with the best opportunity possible. So... That's an incredible setup. I mean, I'm yeah. sure people are listening like, that is quite the gig, you know? Yeah, I give him a house to live in. So, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty set. But at the same time, I would not want him to be here just because. Yeah. And he enjoys it. He enjoys the the process of building something from nothing. You know, I think we both have a small form of, like, ADHD. So we like to keep moving. We like to have new things. And we like to see instant gratification. So, really, our business is perfect for both of us. And we're we're like best friends, you know? So... It's really, really good situation. Best advice you've ever been given? Um, hmm. Wow, dude. Uh, you're going to like edit out all this dead space? <laughs> <laughs> Best advice I've ever been given? I mean, honestly, I, I genuinely would say like my mom telling me just to be yourself, you know, in grade school. Uh, and it kind of goes into play with the authenticity thing. Um, you know, I think if you just treat people fairly you know, equally and do your best all the time, literally you will never, you'll never be lacking in life. What about mentors? Have you had any mentors? And, and it could be recent, maybe through social media or someone that you counsel with in your accounts, you know, or just business, because even no matter the business aspect, you're still trying to figure out financials, how to price jobs. I mean, how did you get to where you are now? Just understand how to run your company. That's interesting, dude. Uh, there's really not been, I mean, I've had people along the way that I've worked with on projects that I gathered little bits here and there, but I think, I don't want to talk like contracting is simple, but contracting is pretty basic. Typically, you know what you have to do. There's a plan. You, you do your best at it and you will do good. People will pay you for that. That's already been like decided in the whole beginning process of building, right? So to be successful as a builder, I don't think it takes a lot. I just think it takes a little bit more than most. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't I don't really know without saying it in a way that maybe sounds a little bit like I'm down-talking most contractors because that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that in order to be successful in the in the construction industry right now, First off, it's easy. There's a lot of work out there and not a lot of us. But you just really have to do good work, be honest with people, and the success is like unlimited, man. It's amazing. And now, so outside of what you have here, contract with LP, you're going to be here at the show. Some of your plans here, are you here all week in Vegas? I'm here through Thursday. I leave it like in the late afternoon. Um and yeah, I love this, Brad. I, I love being here. I love talking to people in the industry. 
I like learning new things. Um, I mean, other than this show, I don't have plans. Like, I'm not here to party and be in Vegas. What are you? What What about you? Yeah, same. It's you know, it's, it's funny how over the years it changes coming here. But so I brought 14 of my employees this time, and so I have assignments for them. They're going to be going writing blogs. So nice. That way, they're not just goofing around. Yeah. So like, uh, Paul's with me. Who you saw? So Paul and I've been kind of going around. Love to do Paul. These. Good old Paul. He's here, and uh, the rest of the team's been. You know, they're seeing a lot of new products meet with a lot of the companies. I mean, there's a lot of companies we work in, the brands we work with, and the homes we build. So one thing you can never undervalue is, again, sales pitch for the Builder Show is, and, and I'm sure you tested this too, Kyle, with your relationships, is we all went through the recession, or not the we all went through the pandemic. Yep. And supply chain was an issue. There's a big difference to calling your distributor saying, I need product, as opposed to calling your manufacturer direct if you have a relationship. I need product on this client, or if it's a relationship industry. What I love about the Builder Shows, you could be in the booth and I could connect with who runs the social media. I can connect with other people at any brand. I mean, they're accessible. They're here. That's right. And, and just a side note, I remember a couple of years ago, and it was actually in Vegas before I went back to Orlando, there was an account we were trying to set up and they kept rejecting us. So I ended up going to that booth, found the person, <laughs> and I said, what's the deal? Why do you keep rejecting me? And he looked at me and he's like, I'm sorry, bro. Let's get you set up right now. And so, you know, there's just, but now we're friends and as you know, we have a good laugh about it. But there's value being here because not just the camaraderie like you and I have another builders just you know sharing war stories and figuring out how to better our business, but working with vendors is so valuable, and that's what I do really appreciate about this show. So, well, the thing is, not every product performs like you may think it does, and or in the situation that you climate know, you, ex- exactly. And that's that. I was talking to a guy just a little bit ago, and I'll make it quick. And he was asking me all about smart side and. Will it work for him because he sees me using it? And it's like, well, probably, but you really want to talk to a technical member to determine your situation, and you get the opportunity to do that here. It's very hard sometimes to figure all that out when you're going through a like a, a lumber yard or somewhere you know local. They don't always have those answers. You can, like you said, you can go up to that person in the booth and stick it right in their face and ask them the question and make them give you an answer. You made that guy get you signed up, you know, that account. I could find out right now what will or won't work with LP SmartSide because all those people are in these booths. And so, yeah, the Builder Show is a big deal. It's, it's a valuable place to go. So what's upcoming and exciting for you? Um, okay, so very cool for me is uh, I hired a new employee. be my first what? employee in like five years, and it, it's straight video. So I've got a videographer that's going to be helping me. What? Yep. I didn't tell you that. No. Oh, I this might have, is amazing. I might have told Paul or yeah. Yep. You told Jason. Um, yep. I I decided that my kids are getting to the point where I'm really starting to see the writing on the wall for they're getting old. You got one out of the house now in Hawaii. I, I got one in Hawaii and one that's a junior. So we're getting. Yeah, it. and so you 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 can understand that work is awesome, but I love my kids. I love my wife, and I want to spend more time with them. And I realized the only thing I was probably easy enough to give up would be you know getting rid of some of my editing and that social media after hours so i hired a guy started last week and i crossed my fingers that i i I hope that it's going to work out man because i'm ready to you know get back to just being more creative and fun with social media instead of just the the business side of it so ideally this new video person will help alleviate a little bit of the video content editing yeah filming and so it'll free you up a little bit more as well yeah i want to play more disc golf with my son i love it yeah 
And your son's like a spitting image of you. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Your little clothes. Dude, he still talks about that freaking property. So yours, you, man. Well, next time you need to bring the rest of your family, make yeah. them come and hopefully get you down playing disc golf this fall because yeah. it's an amazing house. So. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. Well, where can our listeners find you, Kyle? Um, I mean, you could just do a Google search, RR Buildings, and you'll find probably more than you really care to find about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's easy. RR Buildings. Well, Kyle, I can't think enough again. Kyle Seppin Horse, appreciate you coming on. Always the pleasure is mine, Brad. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes. Please share those as well. Again, subscribe. Make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics, We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.